Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. So this morning, uh, we are going to continue digging in to how to have an effective prayer life. And, and this morning, we're going to talk about how to pray with power. Now, in order to do this, I want to go to Ephesians chapter 3. And in Ephesians chapter 3, verses 14 through 21, um, we find Paul really just giving us this deep, deep prayer. Follow along as I read this whole passage for us. Paul says, For this reason I kneel before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth derives its name. I pray that out of his glorious riches he may strengthen you with power through his Spirit in your inner being so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power together with all the Lord's holy people to grasp how wide and how long and how deep and is the love of Christ. And to know that this love that surpasses knowledge that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine, according to his power that is at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. Now, before we jump into interpreting what Paul is trying to get across to us here, I have a few um, application points for us, a few observations as we really dive into this section of Scripture. The first one, as I read through this, is the fact that Paul's mind wandered when he prayed. Now, this is good news, especially for me, and, and I'm not for sure if, if you're like me and maybe like Paul. You know, many times we go, oh, I could never be like one of the apostles. I could never be Peter or James or John. I could never be like the apostle Paul who writes so many great things. Well, here's what is great about this is Paul's mind wandered when he prayed. I mean, that's truly great news. If we go all the way back to... Um, Ephesians chapter 3, if we go to the, the very first verse, we read, For this reason I, Paul, the prisoner of Christ Jesus, for the sake of you Gentiles. And then he goes off on a little bit of a, a tangent, and, and he spends the next 12 verses talking about the beauty and the mystery of the church. And then in verse 14, he, he comes back and he actually returns to his prayer. And he says, for this reason, I kneel before the Father. In my footnote, it says, Paul resumes this thought in verse 14. <laughs> That's what we read is the footnote of, of uh, verse 1. So Paul's mind wandered when he prayed. Number two, the prayer is Trinitarian. All three members of the Trinity of God are referred to in this prayer by Paul. In verse 14, it says, I kneel before the Father. Verse 16 says, I pray that out of his glorious riches, he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being. In verse 17, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. So we have 
the Trinity. So Paul's mind, it wanders when he prays. Number two, the, the prayer is Trinitarian. Number three, this prayer is focused on our inner person, not our bodies. So many of our prayers have to do with health. So many of our prayers have to do with our physical needs. I mean, stop and think about your prayers and how, what are they talking? Right now, we, we, we pray, Lord, please don't allow me to get this COVID. Please don't make me have to go and be in quarantine for the next 14 days. Lord, please don't allow any of my family to receive this virus. Please, Lord, keep me healthy. Lord, make sure that you watch over. And, and it's constantly the, the health of our bodies. It's the physicalness of who we are. Now, Paul is concerned in this case, not that we shouldn't pray for our physicalness, but he's more worried and concerned about how we're doing on the inside. In fact, all of Paul's prison prayers deal with the believer's spiritual condition. As he is sitting inside of a Roman jail cell, as he is attached directly by the, by the hand or by the foot to another um, prison guard... He wasn't worried about his physical being. He wasn't worried about our physical being. He was worried about our spiritual condition. That was his primary focus, internal, not external. And then fourthly, this prayer is focused on the need for power. The word power or strength or strengthened, empowered is used four or five different times in this recorded prayer. We also, if we go back to Ephesians chapter 1, verse 18, uh, or, or Ephesians 1, 15 through 23, Paul's concern is for the enlightenment so that we might know God's power. Here in chapter 3, he prays for empowerment so that we might use the divine power that is available to us. So let's now dig in to this prayer of Paul's. Let's start with the invocation. Let's begin by, by looking at verses 14 through 15. The first thing that we noticed is his posture. Paul says that I kneel. Can you imagine what that must have been like for that Roman guard that was attached to him? Paul would kneel down and, and there was only usually about 18 inches, 24 inches uh, of, of chain that linked these two people together. And, and so every time that Paul would kneel, um, the, the guard would look at him like, what are you doing? He was chained directly to him. And when Paul says that he kneels or falls to his knees, the direct translation from the Greek is, I bend my knee before the Father. This was a humble position. Think about your own posture when you pray. Sometimes we pray just standing straight up and down. Sometimes we're sitting. Sometimes we're laying down. But in true times of desperation, whether it's our circumstances or whatever's happening in our lives, there's times where we just in all humbleness, we bend a knee. We fall on our knees before the Lord. That is exactly what Paul does here. Paul refers to God as Father 42 different times. A couple of weeks ago, we looked at the, the Lord's Prayer, and that's exactly how Jesus started it out. Jesus said, Father. Paul here 
uses that same word, Father, 42 different times in his letters. There is no other description used as frequency for God other than Father. The phrase denotes intimacy. And as I said, it was the same word that Jesus used. Dad, Daddy. There was an intimate connection that Paul had with his heavenly Father. Paul says that the whole family in heaven and on earth derives its name from God the Father. And then we move into the petition. Verse 16 begins with the phrase, I pray that. This now introduces us to the petition part of the prayer of which there are four specific requests. These are not isolated individual petitions, but rather are like four parts of a telescope. One request leads to another one and so on and so on. Paul prays that our inner being may have spiritual strength, which will in turn lead to a deeper experience with Christ. This deeper experience will enable us to comprehend God's great love, which will result in being filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. So then Paul is praying for strength, depth, comprehension, and fullness. Paul makes these requests not according to our ability to receive, but according to God's ability to give. So let's break these down. The first thing that Paul prays for is for strength. The first request is for power and strength to the very core of our being through the Holy Spirit. The presence of the Holy Spirit in our lives is evidence that we are saved, as in Romans 8, 9. It makes it, cl it clear, if anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, he does not belong to Christ. But the power of the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, is what Paul was praying for. Someone has said that if God took away his Holy Spirit and pulled it out of this world, most Christians wouldn't be able to tell the difference in other Christians. Nobody would know the difference. Do we have the power of God living inside of us through the Holy Spirit? When people look, do they go, oh, look what Travis did. Oh, look, look at what Kristen did. Oh, look at what Billy did. Look at what Christy did. Oh, oh, look at what whoever it is. Look at that person. Or do we see the Holy Spirit? Do we go, wow, there was no way that Travis could have accomplished that. It was only through the work of God. There's no way that Stafford County Christian Church could have done what they did if it wasn't for the power of the Holy Spirit working through that church body. Power. It's the same word that is used back in Acts chapter 1. And in Acts chapter 1, when the Holy Spirit brings power, and as we read this, the Greek word is dunamis or duname, and it means dynamite. It means dynamic. Do you feel spiritually weak? Make sure you have that Holy Spirit, that you have activated the Holy Spirit in your life, enabling His strength to work through you. Many of us, seek strength through our friends and our family members. And that's great. 
But what we need more than anything else is to feel the power of the Holy Spirit working in and through our lives. Friends, only the Holy Spirit can strengthen our spirits. He is the one who refreshes. He is the one who revitalizes. He is the one who empowers us. And he does, he does it on the inside where God dwells, where God works. Even though our, our bodies grow weaker, our inner being can grow stronger. You know, the older we get, uh, our, our bodies start to break down on the outside. Uh, our, 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 our eyebrows kind of grow um, gray and, and they start getting out of control. We start growing hair inside of our ears. The, the hair on top of our head starts to fall out. The way in which we used to be able to take our son and to put a whooping on him, we can't get down and wrestle like that. I, I did that with my son and, and I, he's only, you know, he's almost 17 years old, but I'm like, ah, oh, dad can still take him. And I, don't, I hope he's not watching this right now because uh, if he were to watch this, he would see me have to admit that he's starting to get a, a, as strong as his dad. The good thing is I have a little bit more mass on him right now so I can still throw him around, but it's not as easy as it once was. Our bodies will start to break down, but we can grow stronger on the inside. The Holy Spirit working in us and through us. That's what we have to have. 2 Corinthians 4, 16 says, Therefore we do not lose heart, though outwardly we are wasting away, yet inwardly we are being renewed day by day. As our bodies grow old and frail, our spirits can grow strong in the Lord. Depth. Depth. As the Holy Spirit empowers us, we are then able to go deeper in our walk with Christ. We see this in verse 17. So that Christ may dwell in our hearts through faith. And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love. Paul uses three pictures to convey the idea of spiritual depth in our fellowship with Christ. When, we cho when he chooses these three verbs. He says to dwell, rooted, and established. You see, God wants more than for us to be merely saved. He doesn't want us to say, oh, that's great, you've given me your life, oh, wonderful, and then we get to go on our merry way and do whatever it is that we wish to do. It needs to be more than that. You see, Paul's prayer is that Christ would dwell in our hearts. The word is a compound form of two Greek words, and it literally means to settle down and to feel at home. Jesus wants to make it known that he wants to come into our lives. He wants us to have the indwelling of the Holy Spirit and that we make it his. The question I have for you, when you allow guests to come over to your house, how many of you open the front door and you take them on a tour of your entire house. And you just open up the entire house and say, hey, go wherever you want. As long as you don't go in, in that door over there. Because before you got here, our house was a mess. And so we just took everything and shoved it in there. So don't open that door because it all may come piling out. What about Jesus? 
when Jesus takes up dwelling in your life, when the Holy Spirit takes up dwelling in your life? Do you say, hey, hey, Jesus, you can have everything, but well, don't go in that closet over there because I kind of hide a couple of sins over there and I really don't want you to know what those are. What we need to do is say, hey, Jesus, it's all yours. Come in and dwell. Come in, settle down, and feel at home. Let him come in. Let him establish himself in every part of your life. Because when you do so, there is a penetrating holiness that he brings grace, mercy, and love with him. Then we have the verb rooted. Rooted is from the plant world. Just as a tree must have roots that go deep down into the soil, if we want to have nourishment and we want to have stability in our lives, we need to make sure that we have roots that go deep down and that they spread out as well. We need to have stability in our lives as well. Psalm 1 tells us that we can become like living trees if our root system is healthy. So, are we, have we asked him to come and dwell within us? Are we rooted in him? And then we have the word established. Now, the word established is an architectural term, and it's translated in many uh, different versions as grounded, that we're grounded it refers to the foundation of a building. Paul is mixing his metaphors here in, in order to communicate the importance of going deep with God. We need to make sure that we don't just stay on the surface level, but we have a root system that goes deep, that we have asked him to come in and to dwell, to establish himself in our life. Are we willing to do that? Do we have a firm foundation that won't just drift away. We need to have that in our lives. And so we are to have deep roots and a firm foundation. Are your roots as wide as your branches? Is your foundation as deep as your life is tall? God longs for us to be anchored deeply to his love. You know, when I think about all of these different metaphors, there were there were several years ago that we were having um, direct TV put in at our new house. And, and so we had them come out and um, they were, the, the, the technician was trying to um, get the, the dish to stay in the right position. And every time he would try to move it, the, the dish would just kind of fall out of position. And, and, and I finally, I went out, and he was just getting mad as he was coming back and forth and back and forth. And I went out, and um, he had this big six-foot post, and it was only in the ground maybe six inches at the most. And, and he had taken a little bit of, of quickcrete, and he had poured it around the outside of it, not even wetting it. And, and I said, sir, that, that, that's not going to work. Um, and it was a it was a big dish. It was you know several feet across and a couple of feet wide. And 
um, I, I said, uh, or hi, I said, um, can I help you? And he was like, well, this is what we're, we were told to do. And I said, sir, just, just hold on a second. So I went and I got my shovel and I dug a deep hole and um, I, I put the, the, the pole in it and he helped me hold it still. And then we, uh, we put the quick creed in it and I went and turned the water on. He was like, well, what are you doing? And I said, well, you have to actually mix the concrete in order for it to, to set. And so we left it there, and, and sure enough, it, it hardened, and he came back the next day, and he was like, wow, that works so much better. And I think about that because we have to be the same way with our foundation, with our root system, that we are established in him. So in Paul's petition, he prays for strength, he prays for depth. His third request is for comprehension. The word here in verse 18 is, is to grasp, which literally means to be made strong to comprehend. If we're talking about a joke, we might say, do you get it? When Louis Armstrong was asked to explain, explain jazz, he said, man, if I've got to explain it, you ain't got it. Paul prays that believers get it and that we comprehend the enormity of Christ's love. Verse 18 continues by laying out four dimensions of, of God's love. How do we measure the immeasurable? How wide is it? it it's immense. It, it reaches to all people, nations, sins, needs, cares, and situations. How long is it? It existed before time. It will never End and it is unconditional. How high is it? It's high enough to take those that are saved to heaven. How deep is the love of God? It's deep enough to rescue the worst of sinner. For those of you that say, well, Travis, you, you don't know what I've done in my past. You don't realize how bad I am. There's no way that God could possibly forgive me this is what it's talking about this is how deep his love is that it will reach down his love will reach all the way down it will pull us up and take us to the very height of heaven you know the early christians spoke of the love of christ as demonstrated on the cross the cross touched the earth it pointed to heaven and it stretched out in both directions how much, do, how much does he love you? Look at the cross, and you will be able to see. The only way to really understand it is by experiencing his love ourselves. If you don't understand, God, if you don't understand God's love this morning, it may be because you haven't personally tasted it. And if that is where you find yourself, I want you to know that you can reach out. You can comment, and, and I can message you. Um, you can send me a, a personal message. You can email me. You can call me. I'd love to talk to you about what it means to receive that love into your life, to have that power in your life. And then fourthly, fullness. Paul's fourth petition is for believers to experience fullness. We see this in the last part of verse 19, that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. 
filled come, comes from a word that means to be overflowing like a cup that is running over. It means total dominance, to come to the place in your life where you are totally overwhelmed by God's presence. It means giving everything to God and leaving nothing for yourself. You see, we tend to uh, measure ourselves against other people. And so we look and we measure ourselves against other people. Well, I'm not as tall as this person. I'm not as short as this person. I'm not as wide or I'm not as skinny as this person. Uh, well, I'm a better Christian than this person. And, and, and I have better love than this person. I forgive better than this person. I pray better than this person. But when it all comes down to it, when we compare ourselves to Christ, we don't measure up. We need to be filled with the love of of God. We need his love inside of us. In one sense, we are already full in Christ. Positionally, we are already complete in him, but practically, we need to live it out by having strength, depth, and comprehension. The resources are there. We just need to start using them. Do you experience the fullness of God on a regular basis? That's what Paul prays for believers. If you don't live like you have this kind of fullness in your life, try praying to have it in your life. Pray that God will help you to receive that strength inside of your life. Think of an empty cup. How do you get the air out of that cup? How do you get the air out of it? Well, you start by filling it up with something else. How do we remove the, the weakness? How do we remove the sin? How do we remove the junk that is in our lives? We fill it with something else. We fill it with the love of Christ. And then we will have his fullness. And then lastly, we have the benediction. We come now to the last two verses of our text. After contemplating the thrill of experiencing God's power, plumbing the depths of God's love, trying to grasp all that he has for us, and stri striving to be filled with the fullness of himself, Paul bursts forth into glorious doxology of praise. The, these four petitions can very easily seem beyond our reach, and they are unless God intervenes. In this beautiful benediction, Paul uses every word imaginable to convey the vastness of God's power that is available to us today. Look at verse 20 with me. Now to him who is able. To him who is able. There is nothing that he cannot do. There is nothing that God cannot do. He is able to to do. God is not idle. God is not asleep. You know, there's some people that believe, well, God just spun up the world like a top, and, and he just walked away from it. And so we're here spinning around, and we're just kind of running around, and God's just out there kind of in his own blissfulness. He's not idle. He's not asleep. He is able to do. We keep reading, he is able to do immeasurably more. 
His expectations are higher than our requests. That's what I love. You think that you ask a lot out of God, but here's the thing. God says, it's okay. You can ask for more. He is able to do immeasurably more. He is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask. He listens to our prayers. He listens to everything that we say to Him. If we want to have power inside of our lives, all we have to do is be willing to ask for it. Now to Him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we could ask or imagine. God reads our thoughts. God knows what's going on in here. There's not a lot of people that can say they actually understand what's going on in here. My own wife says, I have no clue what you're thinking. But God does. And he understands it. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we could ask or imagine according to his power that is at work within us. God does all of this through the power that is already inside of us. You may think that you're weak. You may think that you just don't measure up or you don't add up. Again, it's because you're comparing yourself to all of these other people out there. Measure yourself against Christ because you have dunamis, dynamite, dynamic power living inside of you because you have the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. If you have given your life over to Him, He is living inside of you and He has that power and we need to hold on to it. The phrase translated immeasurably more is the same word for the abundant grace of God that is in Romans 5.20. There we read, but we where sin increased, grace increased all the more. It literally reads super abundantly with more added to that. Whatever you can think of, his love and his grace is even greater. Verse 21, we read, to him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever Amen. Paul sees the church as the means by which much glory can be given to God. In other words, as we utilize the power that is given to us, God receives the glory. That leads to a question, doesn't it? Here's the question. Why are we as Christians so deficient? What is keeping us from experiencing this type of power in our lives? Why do we have so many power outages? Well, there's really only one of two answers to that question. Either our theology is wrong and God isn't able to do all that we have just read, or number two, our theology is right and we short-circuit the process. Obviously, the problem is with us. It's not with God. It's us. I am the one that is short-circuiting the power that is inside of me. 
we're the ones that are not tapping in to the power that is made available to us. We either just don't care or, or we think that we can do it all on our own strength. What we have to remember is that it's not about me. It's not about what I can do. It's about what Christ can do through me. It is about the power of God living and working inside of me. So how do we put all of this into action? How do we bring everything that we've talked about here in Paul's prayer? How do we put this into action in our lives? Let me give you three action steps here today. Number one, ask God to change your inner person and pray less for your physical needs. Number two, put the names of others in your prayers. Think of someone right now and ask God to grant them strength, depth, comprehension, and fullness. And number three, Think of an impossible situation right now. You may think that you're in that impossible situation right now. You may be thinking right now, as we talked about last week in Daniel chapter 9. The Israelites, they thought they were in an impossible situation. It seemed hopeless to them that they would ever... They've been in captivity for 67 years many of them had probably already started to give up hope. Is there something you are facing that seems way beyond hope? Make a decision to trust God to do immeasurably more than all that you could ask, all that you could imagine. Ask Him for His power to do that work in your life. A little girl turned to her mother after church and said, Mommy, the pastor's sermon was rather confusing today. The mom asked, Well, why is that, honey? The little girl answered, Well, he said that God is bigger than, than we are. Is that true? Well, yes, that's true, the mom replied. He also said that God lives within us. Is that true as well? Again, the mom said, well, yes, honey, that, that, that's true. Well said the little girl. If, if God is bigger than us and he lives inside of us, wouldn't he show through? Shouldn't God show through in our lives? If we are living with the power of the Holy Spirit inside of us, if we have that strength inside of us and we release that power, it should show around us all the time. The question is, are we releasing that power or are we still trying to short-circuit it? One of the ways that we can have that power inside of us is what we do each week. Each week we take communion. It's our time that we can remember what Christ did for us. It's that moment where we can remember how we have been ineffective. How we have sinned and how we have fallen short of God's glory in our lives. 
maybe the reason that you're short-circuiting is because you're trying to hide something. You feel guilty. Now's your opportunity to let it all go. Put it before the foot of the cross this morning. Allow it to be released. Listen, your sin, when you give your life over to him, is as far as the east is from the west. That's what we read in scripture. He is forgiven. He is forgotten. It's only us who hold on to it. We need to let it go. And so we come to partake of communion, remembering what he did for us. That he went to the cross. That Jesus gave his life as a ransom for my sins, for your sins. Let's pray. Almighty Father, we thank you so much that we can worship you, that we can read your scripture, that we can see this power that we can have inside of our lives. And Father, that we will have it unleashed inside of us. Whatever guilt we may be holding on to right now, whatever sin we haven't confessed, now is that time that we can give it up and hand it over to you, that we can lay it at the foot of the cross. As we partake of the bread and the juice, we remember that sacrifice that your son, Jesus Christ, made for us. That he died while I was still in my sin, while I was still in my wickedness. He gave his life for me. We pray this in your son's most holy and precious name. Amen.